some to leave. God has something for me, and I want to belong somewhere. And if you are visiting and you're looking for a church, I think this is a good one to belong to. And you're ever so welcome to that. And if you've been coming a little while and you still feel like a visitor, then please introduce yourself, come and speak to us, join one of our home groups, become part of the life of the church. And I'm going to talk about that this morning. I've been talking about that the last couple of weeks, what it means to belong, to believe and to become. And it's part of a general wider discussion about what it means to be an expression of Christianity within our culture. And we know what it means to belong. And if you want to listen on the podcast, you can catch that up. And this morning, I want to talk about belief, what it means to belief, and specifically the responsibility of belief. Because God has called us to have faith in him, to have trust in him, to have belief in him. The writer of Hebrews says, without faith, that belief in God, it's impossible to please him. Those who come near to him believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So there is a seeking of diligence, of trusting God, of believing in him, believing in him, which brings us to a place of his pleasure. And it's that. It's not that he's looking through, looking to make us jump through hoops or do this and do that. He wants us to simply trust him. Jesus spoke about this when he brought the little children unto him. And he says, if you believe in me, just like the faith of one of these little children, that's the kind of faith I'm expecting. To trust in me. Even if it's a small mustard seed size faith, that's enough. And I'm going to move some mountains you and I together, what we can do is amazing. But James, in his letter, he goes on a little bit further and he says that belief without the corresponding action may as well be dead. It's not about just having faith without actions, but it's faith that changes things. He goes on to say, you say you believe, but I will show you I believe by the way that I operate, by the way I orientate myself, the way I take responsibility for my actions. And he says, anyone that can take responsibility for their tongue, wow, that is the the mighty thing that can, like a little rudder can turn a big ship, so our tongue has mighty influence over our lives. I was reading, is it Psalm 19 this week, where he says, Lord, let the meditations of my heart, let the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. I pray that for myself. I said, let let my thoughts be right. Let my heart be right. Give me that contrite, that repentant, believing heart. Take away the heart of stone, that heart of unbelief, and give me that heart for you, that passion for you, and let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you. You see, I began to speak last week about Jesus' calling to his first disciples. And his first calling was literally, come with me, or follow me. And those followers became disciples. And this was in Galilee. We read this last week. You can catch up that. But as he called his disciples, he says, I'm going to take you from fishing for fish to fishing for people. He says, I'm going to take the gifts that you have and I'm going to begin to use them for kingdom purposes. 
and you're going to start fishing for people. That's what you're good at. That's where your talent is. I'm going to take that talent and gift and I'm going to use that to further the gospel of the kingdom. But just before he says that, it says this in Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 14 and 15. If you've got your Bible, it's always handy to have your Bible. If you've got one of those tablet phone type things, open that, find a, a Bible app and read along. I encourage you to do that. Mark, the gospel of Mark chapter 1, he says, Jesus came to Galilee for one purpose, proclaiming the good news. You see, in the context of him calling his disciples, Jesus comes with purpose to Galilee to proclaim the good news. And he tells us what the good news is. He says, the time is fulfilled. Now is the time. You see, there'd been all these prophecies about the Messiah coming. There'd been all these prophecies about how Yahweh would appear. Yahweh, as in God himself, would appear in Jerusalem on the mountain. And he says, the time is coming. It's getting near. It's now is. It is fulfilled. Or the time now is, is another translation. The kingdom of God has come near. So repent. That means change your mind and change your way of thinking and believe in the good news. The good news is that Jesus, Yahweh, God himself is here in his kingdom for us to be part of that kingdom. And Jesus calls in his disciples to belong to that to belong to that kingdom. And you do that simply by following me, he says. And he chose them. He says this later in John 15 when he's talking and he's unpacking what it means to be a follower of Christ. He says, I want you to stay connected to me in a way that the vine stays connected to the branch and then it's able to bear fruit. It stays connected. So not only are you to follow me, but you're to stay in and stay connected. And he says it like this. I don't call you servants any longer because a servant doesn't know what a master is doing. I call you friends. You see, there's a knowing that comes with our believing. And it's not that we're just believing some random thing. No, we're getting into the scripture. We're getting into what Jesus spoke about. We're getting into the prophets and the teachings. And we're getting into the scripture to unpack it that we may know what we believe. And then we are his friends. It's not that we're just following some guy we don't know as in we're just obedient servants, although we are just obedient servants. But he says, I'm bringing you in as friends. I'm bringing you into that inner circle with that inner knowledge that because everything I've heard from my father, I'm giving to you. This is John 15. If you want to flip there, John 15, 15. He says, I have made known to you everything that I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. You remember that day by the side of the uh, Sea of Galilee where I chose you, where I saw you, where I said to you, come, follow me. And I appointed you that you might bear fruit and fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I'm giving you these commands that you will love one another. See, whom he has called, he has chosen. He has appointed. He's given a mission. He's given an aim and a goal. You know, as human beings, we are aim-orientated people. We are always striving towards something. You see this in the sport that we do, in the football that we watch, in the rugby, in the tennis. You know, we're aiming for something. There's purpose and there's direction. And we celebrate those who hit the target. 
We celebrate those who get the hoop, the ball in the hoop. We celebrate those who are talented and gifted and have an aim and have a direction. And we follow along like it's ourselves doing it. You know, when my team wins, I win. Because I'm part of that. Even though I'm sitting on the couch, you know, drinking and eating, they're doing all the hard work, but I'm celebrating like they're, I'm part of it. You know, we celebrate when someone has an orientation or a game, an, a, an aim. Even if it's just a trivial game, it's actually more than a trivial game because somehow we're part of that. Which means that we have an aim and a direction in life. It means that we begin to take responsibility for our lives and for the lives of those around us. It's not only you believe the good news, but you begin to share this good news with others. And this gives us a mission, an aim, a purpose, and that we are appointed to bring that heaven to earth. He says, um, repent, turn around, change your mind, change your thinking, and believe in that good news. And then, you know, throughout his teaching, he then gets his disciples and he says, I'm sending you out to be those agents of change, to come near to people, to spend time with them, to preach the good news to them, to bring the kingdom of God, literally tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. There is a place for you in this kingdom. And he sums up all these things in Matthew 28 where he says, Now I give you authority. Because I have the authority, I'm giving you the authority. And that authority is to bring this kingdom to everybody that you meet, everybody that you see. So not only do you believe something, the good news, but you begin to take that good news to others around you. That means really believing something means that we take action towards that belief. The Apostle Paul picks it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you want to find that, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. And he says, Christ himself has given us the ministry of reconciliation. People say, Giles, I want a ministry. Well, there's a ministry right there for you to reconcile. Now, that means so many different things. You know, if people are angry and upset with each other and they're, they're acting out of their humanness, you know, to bring reconciliation, to bring two parties together and say, come on, why can't we be friends? Why can't we share the love of God between us? Why can't we let go of our hurts and our upsets and our offenses and come to a position of peace? And you're the agent of change and reconciliation bringing people. That's a ministry. Because Why? Because Christ, in Christ, God reconciled the world to himself. This is the good news, isn't it? Where we were enemies, where we were against God, he reconciled the whole world to himself by not counting their sins and their transgressions against them. So a sin is where we miss the mark. It's where we've had that aim, we've had that purpose, but somehow you know we've fallen short of it. And God's standard of perfection, of hitting the target and hitting that goal so precisely... We've missed it. That means we've sinned. That means we've fallen short of the glory of God, which we all have. We're all in the same boat when it comes to that. But he did not count their sin against them, and he entrusted the message of reconciliation to us. Not only did he not count our sin and our shortcomings against us, but he's given us the opportunity to not only be reconciled to him, but to Bring that reconciliation to a world that so desperately needs it and are hurting. 
You know, when you miss the mark, when you fail, you know you failed. You know you've missed the mark. You know those times when you've not been as good as you know you can be. And we're not trying to let you off the hook here. We're trying to bring you into a place of reconciliation with God, where you come to a position of belief and faith and trust in him and accept what he has done for you, that he can cleanse you, that he can restore you, that he can forgive you, and he can bring you back into his presence with exceeding glory. That's in Jude, isn't it? He is able to present you blameless and faultless and prevent you from stumbling. I think once we come into a place of belief and we begin to follow God and we begin to know what it means to belong, we take responsibility for our actions and our beliefs and we start to become who we're supposed to become. You know, you're supposed to become something. You didn't come to church this morning just for a nice message. You've come to hear the word of God, to say the kingdom of God is here. You have to step into it, be part of it, belong to it. And as you belong to it, your life will start changing and transforming and you'll begin to take responsibility for your belief and you begin to take responsibility for others around you. He says, so we are ambassadors for Christ. I love that. That ambassador for Christ means we carry that authority as if Christ is here himself. And since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's verse 21. I love that. And I've had time to unpack what that means, to be able to stand blameless before God. And he says, I hold no charge against you. He wants to bring us into this place where he is king and we are part of that. But more than that, he wants to take us into his inner circle where he calls us friends, that we really know what he's about. And we can only do that by beginning to unpack the scripture. But he goes on further, he says that the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, he says that we are working together with God's field, with God's building, with God's servants. We're partnering with him. So God wants to reconcile the world to him. His will is that none should perish, but everyone should receive this eternal life through his kingdom. And it's everybody's job to bring that bring people to belief in him. God partners with us to bring us into a place where people can belong, can believe and become. Go and make disciples, he says. That disciples implies the word discipline. There's a structure, there's an order and someone who is disciplined is someone who takes up their cross. Someone who denies themselves and follows me. That's Matthew 16, verse 24. He told his disciples, if you want to really be my followers, if you want to become, I know that's another sermon, the become, become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. To take up our cross is to bear the responsibility of our belief and to orientate ourselves properly. This is how we manifest ourselves in the world by the way that we live, which opens the door to others to come into the kingdom of God. You know, if we're not taking our responsibility, then we're shutting the door to people whom the kingdom of God is open to. Have you ever thought of it that way, that your belief is not just your personal private faith, it's actually you taking responsibility for what you believe and opening the door to others whom the door would normally be closed to. 
Could I, by my inaction or my lack of responsibility, be closing the door to whom God has opened that door to? And what God's door has opened, let no man shut. He says, we can't, we can't change the world by expecting others to change. We take the responsibility. We bear up the cross. We take our responsibility. And that shuts the void of hell because we're willing to sacrifice even ourselves, which opens the door to others that they may come into the kingdom of heaven, that heaven may invade earth, that people's lives will be transformed as we begin to transform ourselves, as we begin to see ourselves as God sees us. That's part one of taking that belief responsibly, is knowing what we believe about ourselves. You know, we admire people who take responsibility. We admire them. They're they're the hero types, aren't they, in our culture? And it's not only they take responsibility for themselves, but they begin to take responsibility for their household. They take responsibility for their street, for their for the culture. Takes responsibility. Now I know what it means to bear a cross. I know what it means to carry that cross. And I know some of us have really struggled under the weight of things that they have to carry. And sometimes when you hear a message like this and the pastor says, you've got to start taking responsibility, and they're, they're, well, actually, Giles, I'm, I'm breaking under the responsibility that I have. If I take any more, I'm going to snap. And I hear you, and I know what you're going through, and I feel that. And there's some things that I remember talking to my pastor once, and I said, listen, I'm breaking under the weight of the responsibilities that I've got to carry. And he's, and I thought he was going to, you know, hey, don't worry, just let those, let those go. And he's like, no, it's time to get stronger. I'm like, thanks. You know, but that's what a pastor should do. He should just not just tell you what you want to hear, but say to you, come on, there's things you cannot let go of. And you know what they are, don't you? And, and you've, you've struggled in some areas. And you know the responsibilities, and you have to bear up. The, the option isn't to ditch it. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? And you just say, okay, I'm going to have to grow. I'm going to have to get stronger. And we know this when we go to the gym. We lift heavier weights each time. You know what I'm talking about. So um, you lift those heavier weights. Why? Because you can bear up and get stronger. And you don't do it all at once because that's going to break you. But can you begin to take responsibility in maybe a small area of your life? Maybe it's gone beyond that and you just, you're, you're struggling beyond belief and you need to get stronger. And those small incremental adjustments, next time I'm going to bear up stronger. Next time I'm going to bear up stronger. But this is also why we need each other. If there's burdens that you cannot let go, because it, that's it for your family. That's it for your life. And you're thinking, if I ditch everything, well, I can't. You need to find someone to get alongside you. Someone that wants the best for you. Someone that the best in them brings out the best in you. Now, does that mean, Giles, you're saying ditch people that are weak? No, I'm not saying that. But, you know, two drowning people isn't as good as one, is it? It's worse. I'm not saying don't help other people. I'm saying surround yourself with people who want the best for you, who will challenge you, who will be able to speak into your life, 
He'll be able to come alongside you and say, come on, let me take some of this burden for you. I'm not going to take it all because this is your responsibility, but I'm going to be your friend and I'm going to be that friend that sticks closer than a brother and I'm going to uplift you and uphold you. This is why we need to be in our home groups. I can't talk about the value of home groups enough and if you're not part of one, you need to join one. You say, well, you know, my life's sorted, my life's perfect, I'm great, thank you very much, I don't need those friends around me. Yeah, but others do need that greatness, that strength that you have. So be part of that. Come alongside them. Is this okay? I'll talk to you like this. You know, and maybe 12 in a small group is too many. Jesus had 12. And, and he had problems, didn't he? He had problems with some of his 12. But he also had the three or four. He had those people who he could count on, although they kind of let him down a little bit. And, and Jesus knew what it meant for people to let him down. So if people have let you down, then Jesus knows what that means. But those three or four, you know, I have a group of three that I pray with, and, and I have to go, because if I don't go, then there's only two, and then that's a little bit awkward. So I have to go. I have to be there. I have to be there for them. And it's a wonderful thing. And it's that those guys I know I can talk to, those guys I know I can pray with, and those guys who will uplift and know what I'm going through, and be there for me. And if I need that, then you need that. Don't think you can do this on your own. We need each other. Am I laboring on this enough? No? Okay, I'll uh, get back to my sermon. Sorry about that. What do we need to believe? I ought to tell you that. To follow Christ, we need to know what we believe. One, you're created by God. You're made in his image, fearfully and wonderfully made. He knit you together, that you have purpose being on earth. You're not an accident. If your parents didn't plan you to be here, that doesn't matter. God plans you to be here. He loves you. He created you. Yes, we were originally made in his image. We know that story. And we know what that means. He, he said, be fruitful, be multiplying, be... Uh, the authority in heaven and earth is given to you. That was given to Adam and Eve right there in the beginning. And okay, they were deceived. And even though they were deceived, they still chose to do what's wrong. And that brought in death. Death came because of that. Now, we've been rescued. We've been saved by the perfect one. The one who uh, took on our guilt and our shame and reconnected us with God. The one that brought us back into the kingdom. The kingdom is like the garden of Eden. It's like that place where we can meet with God and walk with him and talk with him. And that resurrection showed that he had the victory over the deceiver, over the serpent of old, that he crushed his head. Yes, his heel was bruised, but he showed that he had victory over sin and death and that Christ will return to bring us home. That's what we need to believe. And when we... Think about what it means to belong, to come together, to begin to follow him. Then we come into a place where we can believe in him. And I'm going to have to continue this again um, another time. But what that means to believe is not just that mental assent to, oh, that's a nice story, that's something I heard in Sunday school. No, it's something that we begin to take responsibility for. That respond with the ability I really believe something, then I'm willing to forsake all, 
for that belief. I'm willing to deny myself, take up my cross, bear up the responsibility and begin to act in a way that shows I believe what I believe. Because without that belief, it's impossible to please God. So we come to God with that trust and belief in him, knowing that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Paul says it like this, um, 1 Corinthians 15, this is what you need to believe. This is what's important, that Christ died for our sins according to scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And we need to know that. And we need to study that. We need to unpack some of these things and then think, how can I apply that in my life today? I'm going to close in prayer and continue. I've got too many notes and not enough time. Why don't we just stand together? I'll get the band to come up and we're going to sing our final song and then we've got coffee and tea and all sorts going on next door um, that you can do that. So I'll pray and then you can collect your children and bring them in for the final song. That would be great. Heavenly Father, we believe in you. We believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, that you loved the world so much that you gave us that gift, that gift of life, that gift of your kingdom, that we can be part of this and we can belong in this and we can begin to believe the things that you say about us, that we can believe that we are made in your image, that we are transformed and changed by what you've done for us, that you died for our sins, that you were buried and you rose again on the third day. We believe in you and we choose to make that belief an important part of our lives. And Lord, I pray that we become those disciples that you've called us to be, those disciplined followers, those who choose you and choose to remain and begin to bear fruit, fruit that we're able to share the good news, that we're able to open the doors of heaven for others around us, that we're able to stop the gates of hell, that we can become all that you've called us to become. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you and I bless you. And I pray for each and every one of us here. I pray for those who are burdened, those who are feeling like it's too much. Lord, that you strengthen the weak knees. You strengthen those who, who are stumbling and you present them blameless, faultless in your presence and you give them strength, Lord, that they may run and not grow weary. They may walk and not faint. They will rise up and mount up with wings as eagles, Lord. You will bring strength to every part of their being. In Jesus' name we pray. I've got to stop. Amen, amen.